You're listening to the Parenting Bites podcast on Play.it, brought to you by Lenovo. Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsViews.com. And I am here in the studio today with just... Amy Ostan, selfishmom.com. Just. just Amy. Um, we are Andrea escaped the blizzard and is in the Dominican Republic on vacation. We wish her well. And No, we um, don't. <laughs> we do. And I actually made it back from L.A., which I never thought I would. We were <laughs> stranded there for like three extra days. And I have to say, she got no sympathy. I no, know, People are like, oh, poor baby, stuck in L.A. But you know what? When you're stuck somewhere and you just want to be home, it sucks, no it matter sucks. where you are. And when you're not ready, when you're not prepared to be stuck somewhere, and when yeah. you don't know if you'll ever get out again, because every single flight is canceled every single day. Yep. Um, but it was before. I actually didn't post because I knew everyone would be like that. And the last day, I'm like, screw it. We're in Malibu. It's freaking <laughs> gorgeous. I'm posting a picture. Um, if everyone Also, you start to feel like paranoid. Like if people are like, why aren't you posting your snow pictures? Where are your eight piles of snow right. high pictures? Where are, you, and, where are you hiding? Right. Why can't you go out and take your snow pictures like the rest <laughs> of us? So, um, so yeah, so I made it back last night in time to record. So it is just Amy and I in the studio, although we will have a guest for our second segment. Today we are so excited to again be brought to you by Lenovo. We saw amazing, amazing Lenovo products <laughs> at CES, which now so we've many. gone on and on and on about. Um, so we are... Happy, happy, happy to be sponsored by Lenovo once again. We're still talking about the yoga. I was actually just talking about it this weekend when I was in L.A. with people because someone said to me, I need a new computer. And I was like, oh, oh my God. You guys, yeah. you know, felt like a, I felt like a running ad, <laughs> um, which is sort of ridiculous. Do you find yourself having to like say in real life, and yes, I work with Lenovo, but they're awesome. Yes, I did. I yeah. was like, they're kind of, they were a sponsor, but really, it was really yeah. cool. The stuff was really cool. So we are sponsored by Lenovo, the world's number one PC maker. See what new innovations are happening at Lenovo today. You can go to Lenovo.com and check out what we're talking about. I was actually telling everyone about the um, the projector that does the 100-inch yeah. screen. Because I was, you know, when you're stuck in a hotel yeah. <laughs> for many days like we were, um, boy, it would have been really cool to have had the yoga with the built-in projector. And uh, been able to like watch other things as a family mm-hmm. rather than sitting around our laptop. Oh, you can't huddle around a laptop. You can't they huddle around that. a laptop. So you know, it's kind of like you're bringing the party with you, no matter where you yeah. are, with your big. All old, you need is a blank wall projector. It's pretty cool. Um, so check them out at Lenovo.com. Our first segment is actually really disturbing and sad but I think we felt like we should talk about it because this isn't the first time a story like this has come up and we've gone back and forth on talking about these stories, I think, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we feel like the media pays so much attention to them because it's scary and involves technology. But this story is about um, a documentary on BBC called Murder Games, which is about the luring and murder of a teenage boy in England um, that happened over gaming. It actually doesn't say what platform, but we're going to talk about that. And then our second topic is, is middle school the worst ever 
for not just the kids, but for the parents. And a new study says yes. And we're going to be joined by Kelly Wallace of CNN, who um, created the story, produced the story, and the subsequent article on CNN.com. So we're going to talk about that, having middle schoolers ourselves, Amy also having a high schooler, having been through the infant years, (laughs) the toddler years, the preschool years, the you name it years. Um, And we'll talk about whether middle school is the worst. And then we'll have our bites of the week. So let's jump right in. This story, I I really made the rounds. It was in The Guardian um, out of the UK. And the story is about the story that Murder Games, the documentary, is about. So it's like a story about a story, basically. Um, So I'll give you a little background. Lauren Lefave. Or Lefave, I don't know how she pronounces her Favre. name. Lefave. No, she has no R. <laughs> oh, there's no She's R. She's not like the football player. Uh, so she um, lives in a house in Surrey, which is outside of London in England, England. Um, and her story starts pretty typically. She had a son, Breck. Um, her, she's American, so is her husband or ex-husband. Um, they moved to London and they he was a total typical teenager like actually seemed not even totally typical like he was actually very well mannered and wasn't erratic and he really smart he's super smart an a student but he built computers exactly. like really into this stuff not a sports kid no. totally fine um but was super into lego and computers and building and then he at 14 he was invited to an online gaming group a virtual clubhouse they called it by his school friends yeah by people he knew in yep. real life and she said, like, his bedroom door was open, he'd have his headphones on, she could hear everything he was saying, obviously. They were all watching a screen, they were playing games together. Anyone who has a kid who games this way is familiar with this. They have their headset on, you can only hear what they're saying, um, what your child is saying, and you don't really know what's being said on the other side. But he really knew all the other kids in this group, except for one. And that one was the one who actually owned the server and sort of ran the group. And he claimed that he was a 17-year-old computer engineer running a multi-million pound company. Um, So he pretended he was in New York working for the U.S. government, or he was in Dubai or Syria or whatever. His name was Louis Danes. And so he obviously seemed quite cool and interesting and mysterious, and they all thought he was, like, the greatest thing ever. But it seems like Breck sort of formed a really really tight relationship with him um and that is how predators work online or offline right they pick the kid that they think will be the most vulnerable the one who responds the most yeah the article uses the word grooming which is just i hate that word but it's the perfect word for what he did so they tried his parents basically tried to get him offline at a certain point like they realized this was taking over he wasn't doing his homework he wasn't doing his chores he was always, always online. Um, it sounded like even when his friends weren't online, he was online with this guy. It wasn't just gaming. They were sending each other, um, you know, images and mm-hmm. things like that, although none of them sexual, nothing that was so overt that it would have freaked him out. It was all, like, funny cartoons and all. I don't know if Dancing Hitler is a funny thing, but Dancing mm-hmm. Hitler and things like that. But just too much. And too the much. parents knew. And I, and I think one of the reasons we're reluctant to talk about these types of stories is that usually the answer is pay attention to your kid. These parents were paying attention. These parents knew that something was wrong. Yep. And she reported it to the police, ultimately. Yep. And I actually thought, so the, one of the points she makes in this piece that they restate over and over is that she feels that if she had had a daughter 
instead of a son that would have been taken way more seriously. Yes. But because she had a son, people said, oh, my son was a gamer. They grow out of it. That's what they do. Don't worry about it. I don't think people like to think about predators in terms of male on male, mm -hmm. even though it's so common, um, obviously, just as common. But yep. the stories you typically hear are of young girls who meet some guy they met online and, you know, end up um, in a horrible situation. So they report it to the police. And basically the woman at the dispatch, whoever it is when you call mm -hmm. the equivalent of 911 in England, just said, like, can you plan another website or just ask him to not contact your son again? And they were like, are you kidding? Yeah. You know, as if they hadn't tried that. So they basically took away his computer um, but this guy was a step ahead, and he couriered a phone to Brack so they could keep communicating it with him. And he persuaded him to record the meeting he had. His parents, like, called a meeting with him and another friend and another friend's parents to talk about what was going on. And he recorded it so he could play it for this guy so this guy could stay basically two steps ahead. And... Um, I guess the guy realized that they were on to him, that time was running out, and so at that point he invited him. He told him he was sick and dying, and he wanted to have him take over his company. He wanted to have Breck take over the company, so he needs to come to his house so he could train him on how to take over the company. And, and as an adult, you roll your eyes, and you're like, there's no part of this that is even a little bit believable. But for a 14-year-old kid who really looks up to this guy, and, oh, my God, I get to take over his business. And right. He just bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And he went, and he unfortunately was murdered, um, which is so so obviously it's horrible what happened but he also the guy this Louis Danes he photographed the body after and sent it to the other kids in the gaming group which is so insane I mean he wanted to be caught he wanted to show off what he'd done I mean he's obviously a total sociopath um and now, you know, the mom is has formed this organization to try the Breck Foundation to try to raise awareness on Internet safety where she goes and speaks about it. But she said, you know, boys report this stuff less. The parents take it less seriously when it's boys. Um, you know, it's just it's heartbreaking. And my question is, as a parent, aside from tying her son to the radiator and watching him 24 seven. What else could she have done? She took away his computer. She went to the police. She met with other parents. Like, what else could she have done? Right. That's what I think is so frightening about it, right? It's terrifying. It's not like they were just an unknown whatever. I mean, I don't know what she could have done short of going there herself. Did they know? So but at that scary. point, did they know the guy? Like, did, would they have been able to find him? You know, what's interesting is he was using his real name. Huh. Although it didn't say if she knew or like, but it sounded like she gave the police. I think it says she, she gave, gave the, police the police enough info. I think she gave the police his address. Wow. Um, I was going to say, I think in that meeting I can take it. So she did. She she gave them his full name and his county. That's what she knew. Okay. And so she thought the police national computer, they would do a search for him. And had they, they actually would have seen that he had been accused of raping a boy and in, and possessing indecent images. Wow. Like, he had a record. He wasn't convicted, but he had had run-ins with the police. And I think then they would have taken her more seriously. Yeah. The problem is, he didn't do anything wrong until 
he murdered Breck, right? So had they gone then, what are they going to say to him? You're just not allowed. He didn't share pornographic images. He didn't, as far as we know. So he hadn't done anything other than talk to him over a gaming platform. And so that's what's so scary about it. Like, they could have had his eyes on him. Maybe something would happen. But he seemed pretty determined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think it's like a parent's worst nightmare. But on the other hand, it has this horrible sense of inevitability Yes, this story. That's the word. Like, no matter what they did, it was going to happen. I... So then you wonder... So for all you out there whose children do play these games, and, you know, it doesn't matter, like, the PlayStation and Xbox, that it's 13 and up. He was 14. It's totally, it's not even mm-hmm. like it was an 8-year-old or someone, you know, more susceptible. So as a parent, I think part of it is you have to game with your kids, right? Part of it, even mm-hmm. if you really don't want to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, so the Xbox One is in our living room. When my son is playing it, I usually ask him to put on headphones. He would rather have the surround sound on, and I'm the one saying, oh, my God, put on headphones, because, you know, the automatic machine gun is pounding into my head. Um, But even without being able to hear, there were signs. Like, at first, this guy, when the mom would come into the room, he would put, like, hearts and stuff on the screen and kind of flirt with her. But then after a while, when she walked into the room, he would put, like, the Wicked Witch and, like, nasty things. Right. And, you know, that's – she she didn't have to hear what was going on to realize that this guy had turned a corner. And they knew. I'm like, even – I mean, his computer was in the bedroom, I should say. It wasn't out in the living room or anything like that. But, I, you know, it's almost like any cult leader – if you have a kid who falls into a cult or yeah. a gang or I mean that is what it is if you you know kids are so susceptible at that age to someone who seems cool a little bit older doing what you want to do mm-hmm. has some sort of power they're not seeing like oh my god this loser is playing a bunch of games with a bunch of teenagers on his server like what a loser yeah. like they really believe that he was somehow some guy who ran a multi million dollar company was also gaming with a bunch of 14 year olds in his spare time yeah um the fact that that doesn't send up a red flag for a kid just shows you how susceptible and innocent they are and sort of how desperate for that acceptance is Mm -hmm. to feel like they're in with someone cool and older so i think it goes back to even though this did happen with online gaming there's a bigger susceptibility for kids, right? So this is true of parents who are worried about their kids joining gangs. This is true, right? It's like the, every you always have a fear that your kid's basically going to fall in with the wrong crowd because there's, they need that approval. Mm-hmm. And this is the age when they're looking for something to join and someone to tell them that they're cool. So I think that's the first thing is sort of being on alert for all of those symptoms. Like I don't think they realized how much their kid idolize this guy Mm -hmm. I think that's so frightening and I think the other piece of it is that he had he went to he was supposed to meet his dad's and he lied to his dad that he was sleeping at a friend and the dad was thrilled because he was like oh he's doing something with an actual friend right if only the dad had checked up with that friend and you know was he actually there? Oh, he's not? Crap. We need to figure out what's going right, on. Right, where he is. And so that's the other thing, right? Know your kids' friends. Mm-hmm. Know where they're going. We talk about the balance between giving your kids freedom or checking up on them. But 
Yeah, that sleeping out teenager thing. You should totally check up on your kid. We all did stuff like that. We well, all know. Especially if there's already a problem. Like, right. it's one thing, if everything is is going great, maybe it's, you know, maybe you give them a little more rope. But if you already know that there's a problem. I mean, I hate to criticize these parents at all, honestly. Oh, no. I think the mom especially did everything she could. Yeah. I mean, I think that you still aren't going to go there. You know, you, like in your mind, I think you can't go there. I think yeah. it's there's part of you that has to not, you're not thinking like, oh my God, he's talking to some dude. I mean, she says at some point I felt like maybe he was a 40 year old guy sitting in his underwear playing. No, that's my games. husband. He ends up on, he ends up on <laughs> oh, games. God, with, don't say that. He ends up on, he's usually not in his underwear, but he ends up on games with kids who are like 15, 16, not by choice. You know, it's just right. the server he ends up on. And it's hilarious because those kids don't believe that he's like a 44-year-old lawyer. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, my God, you're how old? Like, they think it's hilarious. but Because yeah. he's being honest. Yeah. He's not pretending he's 17. And this guy, actually, he was pretending he was 17, but he was 18. Yeah. Like, that's what's so sad. It's not some creepy older man. He was just a true, like, psychopath. Yeah. Um, but, again, didn't really break the law until he broke the law like yeah. I don't know what you can do and I think that's what makes it scary so I mean I guess you have to go back to your real rules on this thing which is know who your kids are talking to online which they did but you really have to look into it you really have to be on them as soon as Trust, their grades but slip, verify yes totally and if their grades are slipping and homework's not being done and chores like all of a sudden they're belligerent mm-hmm. I mean I think in some ways what you have to do then is pull your kid into a social worker or a therapist like you have to bring in outside help that's yeah. the other thing is i think parents are reluctant to do that but you have to bring in outside help and she turned to the police which was a great thing to do when you're worried in you that would way think. but obviously her child needed help um to because something that he was that obsessed with it there mm-hmm. was something going on so the documentary i'm not sure if we can see it here in the u.s it was on bbc it's called murder games i'll do a little research on it and yeah see if, we'll see if uh, there's a link to it's it online. it's supposedly actually very hard to watch there's like reenactment and there's it's quite quite difficult to watch but I, we will have a link to the breck foundation which is the foundation the mom has set up um which really is about internet safety and how to talk to your kids and um, you know, just basic information on keeping your kids safe online. And I would say, too, if you are a parent who games and who, you know, is on these multi, you know, multiplayer gaming networks where you're talking to other people, set an example for your kid. You know, if you're gaming, like game with your kid, you know, show your kid that you're always honest about who you are, but that you don't necessarily trust who everyone else is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, set that example um, just like we say all the time, the definition of a friend is totally changed mm-hmm. for these kids. So you have to really, really have them understand that they don't know who is on the other side of that screen. Um, just like they wouldn't give in, you hope you have that same peer pressure conversation about real life friends. You have to have it about online friends times 10. Mm-hmm. Um So that is the end of that topic. We will be right back with topic two. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. 
So we are back with our second segment. We are so excited. We have Kelly Wallace, who is digital correspondent for CNN. She's on the phone with us. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Great to be with you guys. We're so happy you could join us today. Um, I would like to say you are a longtime friend oh, yeah. <laughs> of both of ours. Um, Kelly, for those of you who don't know our listeners, really covers so much of the parenting beat. Um, for CNN and is every week I feel like whatever piece you've done and the subsequent article that goes along with it, it just makes its rounds on the parenting sphere on Facebook like crazy. Mm -hmm. Everyone's sharing it. Everyone's talking about it. Um, and this week was no exception because basically everyone was just sharing this piece and writing, is middle school the worst? <laughs> is it the yeah. worst? Um, so I, can you talk a little bit about this article that's really lighting up Facebook? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's so nice to hear that. I love, um, it really means a lot to hear that people are sharing and you and Amy have contributed numerous times. So uh, huge thanks for all the insights you always give to the stories we're covering. Yeah, this came from, uh, I was doing actually a piece just a few weeks ago uh, on the, you know, challenges of being wealthy, which I know people are like, what? What kind of challenges could there be? And, you know, this was connected to the uh, affluenza case that's mm -hmm. in the news um, about the you know, teenager and who fled to Mexico, um, violation, violating his probation. He's the one who used the affluenza defense right. after uh, he killed four people when driving drunk. But the reason I was talking to a researcher who really does a lot of work focusing on uh, children and families, and she told me that they were going to be having some new research coming out about what stage, developmental stage, is toughest for moms? And she said, what, what would you guess? And I guessed, well, I said, let me think. But then I thought, no, it's got to be adolescence, right? It's got to be high school. That just freaks me out. My kids are eight and nine, and I just freak out at the thought of high school. <laughs> and she said, well, that's what's so provocative. They found, and this is a you know very detailed uh, research, more than 2,000 moms. Uh, I should, important to note, they are mostly educated, you know, well-educated, so that might change a little bit of, of some of the angst, but um, found that it was in high school, and it wasn't when you're dealing with a newborn, it was middle school. And, and on all these measures, when women rated uh, their stress level, their loneliness, how empty they felt, their satisfaction with life, their fulfillment, I mean, they scored so high on those negatives, and they reported really low when it comes to life satisfaction. And it was middle school. And she said, this is, you know, new to us, I think, because it's, it's not necessarily high school. It is happening during middle school. People might not be aware, and that maybe some of the things that many of us, like myself, are dreading, like, oh, my God, it's high school, it's actually happening earlier, and it seems to be happening uh, for a bunch of reasons during the middle school year. So I just knew this was going to be something that, A, the research is very interesting and not, not really been done or looked at in the same way, and I think so many of us, moms and dads, have so much angst about high school and also middle school, um, and there's a lot to learn about what's going on with kids during middle school and what's going on with parents during that time too that can make this you know a much uh, a much healthier time and a, a time of less loneliness and stress I think for parent and child alike you know I think what's interesting is I it's no secret that middle school is the worst for kids like right. it's a joke at this point it sucks it just sucks that it's this weird isolated sick 
period where they like separate the kids from everybody else. Basically, this grade six through eight, their bodies are changing. Mm-hmm. That's when all the really a lot, even though the Mean Girl movies are based in high school, it really that stuff goes down in middle school and mm-hmm. much bigger. I think high school people are able to find their tribe a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas middle school, it is a, a true, you know, Darwinian jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I think there's been so much focus on kids, but not so much focus on what that means for parents. And one of the things you talk about that I thought was really interesting was that it is the first time the kids really do try to break away. Mm-hmm. But still want to then have their moments of like, you know, being like seven, like crying right. and wanting to be cuddled and then feeling bad that they want to be cuddled. And you as a parent don't know what to do. And we talk a lot on the show about how much freedom to give your kids mm-hmm. um, and that this is really the time to do it. Last week, we talked about that article that was sort of the 12 things your kids should be able to do by the time they're 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, really? Some of these things feel like they should be able to do them by 10. Right. Um, and so I wonder if part of the reason is that we... We expect less from our kids in many ways, freedom-wise. So then when they want it, we feel so not ready for it. And I do think middle school is the normal time for kids to want to assert this independence. And maybe just we as parents... It's more on us that we just totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, to quote from the article, it says, when the parents try to treat them as if they're still eight or nine years yep. old, there's pushback, and that catches the parents off guard, and then sometimes they panic. Yeah. And that's the problem. If you're not giving your kid a, a gradual increase in independence, this is going to smack you in the face exactly. when all of a sudden they want it. Uh, exactly. And, you know, a couple of things. You know, certainly as I was doing interviews, and there's so many, I recommend people uh, look at the piece, not, not to look at my work, but I felt like all the, the, the authors and experts had such interesting things to say that comes from research, you know, or, or doing interviews with middle school students or teaching them or, or creating curriculum. So this is really based on what works and what doesn't. And I kept asking them, I don't remember my mother having this angst when I was in junior high, right? No. <laughs> no. And we don't have the research to say, yes, in 20 years, mothers have reported higher stress during middle school than they did, you know, 20 years ago. But I think most of us agree a couple of things. Number one, and we've talked about this, all of us together and, and in online conversations and, and pieces about, you know, when I was a kid at eight or nine, I was easily riding my bicycle wherever I needed to go or going up to the candy store or whatever. And and most of us are not really giving our kids that that those little steps to, toward independence because it's tougher. We're afraid. Is it is it the scary world out there, etc. So I think that that plays a role for sure. And I also think that in terms of the the hype, you know, we talk about, of course, you know, the helicopter parenting and whatnot, but what happens there is as we're so involved with our kids and if our kids are our projects, then when they start really needing on a deep developmental basis to form their own identity and to form their own kind of being in this world, if that's been your, quote, project for, you know, the past 11 years, it's very hard for your identity, for your ego, you know, your sense of self, am I a bad mother? now? Uh, Is there something wrong with me that they now don't want to be part of me? Um, uh, If I don't have other things in my life, you can feel that emptiness. So I do think it's uh, it's been probably an issue, obviously, for for parents, uh, especially with the hormones raging and bodies changing and all that you go through during those middle school years. But I bet because of our over-involvement with our kids and also because we're not all giving our kids or our kids aren't getting the sort of steps 
uh, on the path toward independence at younger and younger ages, those two factors might play a role into why this is such a explosion, I think, for so many parents. Do you know what I think is interesting? And this is purely anecdotal, obviously. When I was growing up, the years that everyone's parents got separated mm. and or divorced was middle school. Mm-hmm. I, in seventh grade, there must have been 10 of us. I mean, it was a rash of people. And I, I my guess is it was the same thing. It's that a lot of moms, particularly, you know, it was the 70s, early 80s. There were a bunch of moms who were stay-at-home moms still. It was still, you know, very split. And I think it was that. I think it was the looking around and at that point where your children are more independent and sort of freaking out about who you are and what you want. Um, And, you know, I am actually seeing that play out again in my life now with friends. I have many more friends Mm. who are getting divorced right now and their kids have all hit the middle school age. Well, I loved it in the article when it basically said when your kid is in middle school, make sure you have a hobby Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's what's going to happen. You're going to wake up one day. You don't have this little being completely dependent on you anymore. And if your kid was your project, if your kid was your hobby, you are screwed. And then you you all of a sudden have problems with your husband. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the problems you've had become much more apparent. The things you've been sweeping under the rug for Mm -hmm. the sake of the kids or because you're both so busy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talk about this a lot, the crazy schedules of. If you're if you have a spouse and the spouse is taking one kid to gymnastics and you're taking one kid to basketball and you're did I mean your days fill very quickly when your kids are little. De- definitely, you know, two things. One, you know, Dr. Luthar, the the co-author of the research, uh, in their paper they cited there's other research, not research that they did, but other research that does show that sort of marital satisfaction tends to be going down or lower during this time. Marital strife tends to be higher. I, I linked to one study um, that found that it's a little older than middle school, but that looked at the period of time uh, leading up to uh, age 15 and found um, you know, much more marital strife and lower marital satisfaction uh, in those teenage years than after a child is born. So I do think there is research, and you know, a lot of that goes with um, demands on, on families, demands on parents. I mean, how much are the parents still devoting time to their relationship and their own, uh, you know, every part of their relationship as opposed to servicing their kids. So I think that is a big part of it. And also in terms of uh, the busyness, it was interesting uh, that so many um, mothers were reporting that they were felt even so, you know, they're busy throughout elementary school, but even in the middle school years, they're busy and cut off in a way because it gets a little more complicated because you got to get maybe they're playing travel Mm-hmm. soccer or their piano lessons or they have this here and this there and and it becomes much more time consuming um, and then also feeling less time for themselves. So I thought that was interesting. You know, you kind of think the elementary school years and preschool years are incredibly busy. They are. And you got you you know this, certainly Rebecca too. I think, Amy, you probably feel it as well. But, you know, there are different kinds of demands um, on your time now in middle school years that don't allow for the time to get together with the girlfriends or to go out on a date night with your partner um, to really kind of service your own satisfaction and fulfillment. Yeah, okay. you know, I'm oh, sorry. But uh, I was, go, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say the other thing that I have found as my kids have gotten older is that when your kids are younger, I actually think moms are a lot more um, honest and willing to share the mm-hmm. hard things going on because they're much more universal. They're not, we've talked about this, but mm-hmm. it's not a reflection on you, right? Your, your baby's not sleeping through the night or potty training is going mm-hmm. difficult, you know, whatever those things are. 
are much more universal and easier to share. When your kid is older and having problems, it starts to feel, A, like you're betraying them. If you right, which is important, very important. Yep, and B, I think you start to feel more of the blame. Like, yep. am I responsible that my kid now is flunking math or my kid has no friend, my kid's not in the popular group or whatever your thing is that you're worried about with your kid. And I could see how that's more lonely because moms aren't as willing to talk about it honestly with each other. And I wonder if that's part of it, too, that all these moms, you just start to feel, I don't know, more more to blame. You yeah. start to see the things. Well, that, when the know, kids are kids little, you feel like you haven't had them long enough to really do any serious damage. Right. By the time they're 11, <laughs> you're like, wow, I've had 11 years to screw this kid up, and now it's now I'm seeing the results. Right, right. and now that their therapy lessons, I've definitely confirmed that they will have therapy lessons for the rest of their lives. Right. I mean, I think there's so much there, for sure. I think, you know, part of it is that sense of our own um, identity and our own kind of, um, you know, uh, self-esteem and self-worth and et cetera tied up into how how well our kids are doing. Um, and one of the authors I talked to mentioned also judgment. And, we you know, we talk about this in, online and, and, and offline all the time. You know, kids are judging each other immensely in middle school, right? So, A, as parents, we want to try not to be judging our kids during this period of time because, my goodness, they have enough judgment. But parents are judging each other. This author, I think it was Michelle Eichardt, who told me um, how many times she'll hear someone say, I'm not sure if I got it right, but one of the authors in, in the report said, you know, where you, she could hear a mom say, I can't believe she's allowing her daughter to have a smartphone, or I can't oh, yeah. believe this one is uh, flunking math, as you mentioned. I mean, think about how that parent feels like, oh, wow, I guess, you know, I'm doing something wrong, as opposed to if we really cut down the judgment and we realize this isn't totally a reflection on who we are, but other factors, too, and can't we all help each other and support each other? That certainly would make people, I think, more willing to talk about it and realize they're not alone and get get the support and help they need to deal with that issue. I think it's so important to find your tribe, to find your mm-hmm. grown-up tribe, um, you know, make a, fa- a private Facebook group. I can no longer talk about these things publicly on Facebook because... <laughs> Because my daughter got me in huge yeah. trouble a couple of years ago. So you have to find that private group with kids of a similar age where you can open up and have no judgment and help each other. Totally. So and, you know, one of the big things, because I, you know, I sort of said in the piece, you know, I'm already dreading high school, and I, I am. But after I, everything, what I love sometimes about these pieces, after I do them, I feel less you know, angst in a way, because I do think that, um, you know, one of the takeaways here was that the kids really want that relationship to continue with their parents. They might be giving you every sign possible, slamming doors, eye roll, mom, really, you know, every possible way to make you feel like you are the most ridiculous creature on the planet and the last person they want to be with. But clearly the kids want to have that relationship. They want their parents to stay involved. Obviously, they're not so helpful about how easy it is to stay involved, but listening, um, being present. Uh, I liked um, what Sue Acuna had said about the conversation with her son. I love this, where she walked by his room and the door was open. She says, are you okay? And he says, yeah. And then she said, so is this the time where I'm supposed to be concerned parent or is this the time where I'm just supposed to give you your space? And he said, I'm okay. But then she walks down the hall and he says, it's just that why do people act the way they do? And that was her, you know, cue to just come in his room, sit down and listen. And I know, look, I make this mistake too and I try to stop it, but 
kid, the kid doesn't want you to be problem-solving at that moment. The kid doesn't want you to say, oh, don't worry about Johnny. He wasn't a nice kid anyway. You just want to listen, and you want to support them, and you want to help them try to, you know, get it off their chest and problem-solve. And I just think that's so important for parents to realize that the kids don't want you to just, you know, be out of their lives for the next three to four years. They really want you to be there, but it just takes more understanding maybe um, and it, more listening to, to have that relationship. They, they want you to be in, your li- in their lives on their terms, yes. and they're clumsy at that age right. of telling you and showing you what those terms mm-hmm. are. It really takes a lot of detective work and a lot of listening. I think it yeah. takes a lot of being present, too. Like, yes. So yeah. I think those small moments happen when you're not expecting them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know a lot of friends, I don't drive in the city, but a lot of my friends within the suburbs, those moments happen yes. in the car all the time mm-hmm. because they're in the back seat. They're not looking at you in the eye. It's a lot easier to all of a sudden unload. Um, so I think that is, and we've talked about this before, like family dinner, like there are certain routines that are probably even more important as your kids get older because it just allows for sort of that normal togetherness. So when you are together, it doesn't feel like, okay, now we're together. Like, tell me how your, everything was. You know, you just kind of need it to be normal that like you're home together or you're out yeah. together so that those spontaneous times can just happen. With me and Fiona, it used to be on our mile walks to and from her dance class mm. and she just quit dance. Oh, so no. I know I'm going to cry. <laughs> so that's like, like that was it. I knew that she would totally open up to me yeah. on those walks and now I've got to find another routine time. For yeah, that. or maybe, you know, because she clearly enjoys that as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, hey, let's, you know, you want to still do those walks once in a while? I don't know. Yeah. You know, there might be just that sense without saying let's have that mom-daughter time, but maybe just kind of fit it in in a way. Um, because, yeah, and I, I think it was Cynthia Tobias uh, who told me, you know, she was talking about the carpool. Exactly. I mean, not an issue for us living in, in, in the city area, but she said you just sit in that front seat, especially if you're driving around a bunch of kids in middle school, and you just listen. <laughs> she said, Pretty soon they're going to forget that you're there, and you're going to hear how they talk. You're going to hear what's going on. You're going to hear um, you know, what are the key issues, and obviously you don't want to jump in and say, really? You said this? You know? But later, you could sort of use that, or it can just give you some information about what your child is negotiating. I thought that was um, really great. Great yeah. advice, too. That's great. Well, the whole piece is great. It really struck a nerve, and um, I encourage, we'll put a link to it. We'll put great. a link to the piece on CNN.com, and um, it'll be on our Facebook page so everyone can read it. And thank you so much for joining us today, Kelly. We hope to have you on again. I would love that. Thanks for having me, and congrats on this, this podcast. This is wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, great. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Okay, we are back with our Bites of the Week, which is going to be very short because it's just Amy and I. (laughs) So, Amy, you're going first. I'll go first. Um, So I have two that are very similar, but both very worthwhile. Um, My my kids, one of them is very interested in politics. Jake, you know, he always watched The Daily Show and The Nightly Show and now Last Week Tonight with us. And he's he's into it. He can tell you all the major players. Um, Fiona has never had an interest in politics at all. But the other day when I had the news on in the background, all of a sudden she said, why is Iowa so important? 
And it's like, like, it's not. <laughs> well, basically. Um, but that was the first time that she'd really shown any interest in politics. And so I found a couple of websites. One of them is on uh, a page on PBS called Helping Kids Understand the Election. And the other one is on HuffPo. It's nine things you can teach your kids about the presidential election process. And both of them have some great, great resources to talk to your kids who are, you know, middle schoolish age um, or maybe even a little older, depending on what they know about the process and about the parties. And I, I just found it really interesting. And I even learned a couple of things. So that's I'll, awesome. I'll that, put links to that. That's a schoolhouse rock. And you're there all you set. go. That's all you need, really, no matter how old you are. That's all you need. How does a bill become a law? It's the only way any of us know it. Yeah. That's awesome. So I um, was stranded in L.A., as you know, because of the blizzard. So I um, was had the pleasure, not, of being on United <laughs> Airlines, the only airline that will fly you for five hours with no entertainment <gasps> on the plane. So, I mean, seriously, it, it's 2016. Do they just assume that everybody has a device with them? I don't know. But do, even do they I, have free internet? Like even no. Yeah. Even if I have a device with me, I did not download everything to it. Like I still think like I'll be able to see watch a movie right. as an alternative, whatever. So fortunately, um, because I had also flown United to CES, so I mm. also had no entertainment. You knew. Uh, which is the funniest thing is going to the world's biggest technology trade show and having no Wi Fi and no mm-hmm. entertainment is just hilarious um so i downloaded and listened to shonda rhymes <gasps> new book oh wow the year of yes and listened to it on audible.com um and it is so good and it's her reading it so i'm sure reading the book yourself is probably really good but her reading it is great and what's really great about it is she talks about speeches that she's given so the book is about it opens with her um, telling her sister all these unbelievable things she's been invited to this year. Like, oh, I'm invited to this, I'm invited to that. And her sister looks at her and she's like, whoop de doo you don't go to anything anyway. Like, all you do, you never say yes to anything. And she was like, what? Well, I have a toddler and I have a... And she was like, whatever. <laughs> like, you don't go to anything anyway, so who cares what you're invited to? And she kind of realizes that her sister's totally right, that her normal, she's a total introvert. Like her, her natural response is to say no to everything and just say like, I'm working all the time, I'm whatever. So she decides she's gonna have this year of yes and she's just gonna say yes to everything that comes her way. And what happens in that process, and which is really interesting is she realizes she has been saying yes just to the wrong things. <laughs> um, so now she has to also learn to say no to certain things. So it's, it's really, really fascinating. She's obviously a brilliant writer, but in the audiobook they have the audio of speeches that she gave during the year that she said yes to that she wouldn't have done. So her Dartmouth commencement address. And we should mention she's really scared of public speaking. Oh, terrified. Yeah. She talks about vomit. I mean, she has this whole thing. And she and the speech that she gave to, I think it's either women in entertainment or women in Hollywood when she was honored. And you hear the actual speech while she's giving it. It's so awesome. It's like what makes audiobooks great, I think. Um, so I highly, highly recommend it. I actually am giving it to my daughter. So I think for a older preteen teen, it's especially a girl, it's a great book because she is a really powerful woman mm-hmm. who has made her own career for herself, who does not look like your typical Hollywood, you know, female executive. Um, she has changed the face of TV literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she's just 
it's kicked ass and she's not it's not there's some you know there's obviously some reference to sex and stuff like that but it's in a very Shonda Rhimes way yeah. if your kid can handle watching Grey's Anatomy they can listen to the book I, I'm also going to link to a speech that she just gave I forget what it was for did you see that one she started out by saying she was getting an award and she started out by saying I really deserve this <laughs> that's awesome I love her so much so, so we'll, we'll link to that that too. was part of her the whole thing she talks about how she was at um, spoiling the book for you but she's at, <laughs> she was at a dinner given by I think it was either Cosmo or Glamour and it was like their Women of the Year awards. And she talked about how every each person that they mentioned, they would say why this person was the Woman of the Year and whatever. And each time this woman who was like a studio executive or a politician would be like hiding her face and be like, <laughs> oh my God, not me. Oh my God, I can't believe they'd say these things about me. And she was like watching this and watching this and was like, what the hell is wrong with women? Mm-hmm. Like we should be standing up and owning it. And it was really interesting. So anyway... I highly recommend Shonda Rhimes' book on audio, or I'm sure the regular book's great, too. And that is it for this week. Thanks, Amy. It's just us. Hey, no problem. Thanks Anytime. for schlepping in the snow into the city to meet me. Um, we will talk to you next time. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash parentingbites. We will have links to all the things we talked about today on Twitter, hashtag parentingbites. On iTunes, the most important place to find us. Subscribe, mm-hmm. rate, review us, and of course on Play.it where you can find Parenting Bites and all the other CBS podcasts. Until next week, bye. Bye. Bye.